We've all got questions about the Bible and Christianity. Some of us are Christians and want to know how best to live for God and show our love for Him. Some of us are curious about what it means to follow Jesus. And some of us are skeptical of the idea of religion in general. Whatever your background, we invite you into these conversations that strive to take an honest look at what the Bible has to say on a wide variety of subjects. Each week, we will discuss questions that have been sent in from all around the world and try to find truth and practical application in God's Word. If you have any questions or follow-up comments, contact us anytime by emailing info at broadwaycoc.com. I'm Jed Lovejoy, and these are Conversations with Dan. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another conversation here with Dan. Welcome. Glad you're here. <laughs> A delayed intro there. So we were talking last time about can people change? Change is a big subject. Yeah. And so we spent a lot of time talking about the mind of the person and how they allow change or open their self up to change that happens through God and the Spirit. Amen. And then as we were getting to the end, we were trying to talk about, so then in the mind of the person who desires someone else to change, what is a spiritually healthy way to approach this? Um, to with, facilitate yeah, change. to facilitate their change, to help open doors or keep doors open. And we spent some time talking about the prayer aspect, but I guess now we're going to continue the conversation with what are some other things, because people are still left with that, so do I not have any part in this process? Yeah, so is there anything I can do yeah. at all? Yeah. Yeah. So what do we got? Well, <clears throat> start with Luke 15, 1 and 2. Okay. Luke 15, first two verses. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. Okay, so Jesus was seeking out people that needed to change, mm -hmm. the tax collectors and sinners. Yeah. And by spending time with them, by eating with them, by getting to know them, by showing that he cared about them, <clears throat> He was beginning the process of facilitating change. Would, so, would so we describe this as he was beginning to develop relationships with them. Yeah, yeah, and okay, and these were honest relationships. And of course, I'm reading between the lines, but I picture Jesus going through the places where these people were mm. regularly, learning who they were, calling them by their names, sitting down and eating with them. <clears throat> showing over time that he cared about them. Yeah. And <clears throat> in the process of that, <clears throat> I'm thinking about those people who needed the change and what they were thinking about Jesus. Um, I'm thinking about words like admiration. Mm -hmm. They all of a sudden, they're getting to know this this different kind of guy, and they're beginning to admire him. So admiring somebody, what does that look like in your mind? What does that mm. look like in the person's mind that needs to change? So it's something that draws them to this person. Yeah, they, they see something there that's admirable. Maybe and, 
just again, kind of reading between the lines of some of the things that happened during Jesus's ministry that might lead to something like this. And by the, by the time we have Luke 15, Matthew is one of Jesus's closest followers, right? Yep. Matthew was a tax, tax collector. collector. So I bet it wasn't normal for a Roman tax collector to end up in the inner circle of a well-respected Jewish teacher. Yeah, of course, you're right. Jesus wouldn't have been in the circle of what would usually be thought of as well-respected Jewish teachers, but, and I don't think that these people that were tax collectors and sinners would have been that hooked up with pharisaical circles. So again, there's something about <clears throat> this guy on the outside who's willing to still spend time with them and get to know them, but it's like they could see one of them with him. Yeah, in other words, where they might have scoffed at the Pharisees and thought how how high and mighty and how removed from us and how uncaring mm -hmm. with Jesus, he didn't fit their mold. He was yeah. really caring about them. And admiration is like you can't help but like this person and think there's something there that is admirable. Yeah. So he's got your attention. There's something in the way they act, the way they conduct themselves. Yeah. That's worth you checking into a little bit. Yeah, more. and I know that day after day that Jesus would have asked about their families, he would have asked about how it was going with this or that, he would have Yeah. he would have been honestly pursuing a relationship and so they're beginning to see some things in him. Mm -hmm. that compel them to want to be near him. Yeah. So facilitating change means honestly investing in relationships with people to where they they want to know you, they want to hear mm -hmm. what you have to say as it relates to them. Um, there's another passage in John chapter 1 Okay. where um, there are some disciples of John that uh, are, are listening to John and they um, want to go check out Jesus. Mm -hmm. And let me get over there to the exact verse. It's going to be in the 30s or 40s somewhere. Starting like at 35. The well, next day, John was standing with two of his disciples type area. Yeah, start there at 35 and read down through like 39. Okay. So the next day again, John was standing with two of his disciples. And he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? And he said to them, Come and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. All right, so two things. Look at verse um, 38. Mm -hmm. Jesus turned around, and when he saw them following, he said to them, What are you seeking? So... One person I was talking to this week said, you know, you have to meet people where they are. Mm -hmm. And so I pictured Jesus, you know, with these publicans and sinners, tax collectors and sinners. And he's looking into the life of these different people, whether they're tax collectors, prostitutes, 
thieves, whatever they are. And he says, he's looking into each heart and, you know, what is this person seeking? Mm. You know, this person needs purpose. This person needs affirmation. This person um, needs love. This person needs whatever. Yeah, this is this is something I talk about with parents a lot. You know, as a as a children's minister, especially they start hitting that third, fourth, fifth grade year, and they start talking to their parents that are bringing stuff. They see stuff. They hear stuff at school, and parents are really good about addressing the immediate question. And so often the kids aren't asking the immediate question. They're looking for something deeper. Mm-hmm. And so it's this sort of discerning what are they actually looking for. Yeah. 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 Their question may be about, you know, bullies or whatever, but they're actually asking about their station in life and what does it mean to belong and, you know, what's my value as a person. Mm -hmm. So, and, and I think for the facilitator, see, the facilitator of change Mm -hmm. is thinking while being with these people what is this person looking for? What does this person need? What need does this person have that I can show them that only God can fill that need? Yeah. And so as you look at this passage in John, in in verse, you know, 39, Mm -hmm. Jesus tells these two guys, why don't you come and see? Yeah. So he invites them to spend time with him and the more time they spend with him, mm-hmm. the more they see that they respect, the more they admire, the more they think that maybe he has some things to tell them, to teach them. Yeah. He doesn't cram it down their throats. Okay. He's not aggressive with them to try to put something over on them, mm. like a, a, a high-pressure salesman. You yeah. Know? But he he thinks about what they're after, and he asks them to come spend time with him. So, so as so maybe as we're trying to figure out, so what does that mean for us? It's not that there aren't situations where a single word or a single conversation can have an impact on someone, but we should be more prepared for this show-and-tell sort of aspect. Ooh, I'm so glad you said that. Because facilitating change in people, I don't care if it's your own children, I don't care if it's people that you're reaching out to with their soul in mind out there in the community, whoever it is, um, it has to be show-and-tell, and they have to have a reason to want to listen. Mm. Mm -hmm. Um, Why should I think you have any answers for me? Why should I think you have anything to tell me about my life? Why should I want to hear you? Yeah. You know, and Jesus, by spending time with these people, by being who he is and loving and being kind and being caring and really being interested in them and showing them his own character, he was giving them reasons to want to listen to him. Oh, man. I, I've i read two kind of testimonials just in the last week of people who were not just atheistic, but they were 
you know, almost warlike atheistic, had no desire, any sort of thing. They thought they knew exactly what Christianity was about. And they weren't won over by, they heard a sermon or they heard an apologetic or any of these sort of things. Something happened in their life that they finally said, you know what, I'm going to read. And between the two of them, they picked one of the gospels and they read through it. And for the first time, they actually saw who Jesus was. And that became very appealing to them and led to a process of change. Mm. So these people, when they read through the Gospels and they encounter Jesus, I mean, going back to the last conversation we had, it's not us forcing change on someone, but it's Jesus as that change agent in their life. And so is it just we wait on Jesus and the Word and the Gospel to take hold on its own? Or are we still saying that there still is a role for us to play in this process, so to say? Yeah, in, in the Hebrews thirteen seven passage, mm-hmm. um, he says, the, you're not just teaching the Word to them, but you're, you're considering the outcome of their lives. So through the life of the facilitator, mm-hmm. which would be you or me or whoever else, these people are experiencing Jesus and they're finding something that they genuinely respect or admire or think is valuable. Mm. And so they're now open to listening to something that the person says. And, um, you know, we've talked about this before. If, if, if we're talking to a person at, at the first level and they've been getting to know us and they're, they're perceiving something that's respectable in us, then like Jesus, we're looking into that person and trying to inquire about their life. Yeah. Let's say they tell us about a problem that they're experiencing in their life, and they get, yeah. we've gotten down to where they're really sharing some stuff. Yeah, it's us. no longer just the surface, how's the weather today? Yeah, it's yeah. who you know, are you, what's going I've on I've been struggling life? with this, and um, my mother's sick, and I've just been having super worry about this, and... Mm. I'm having trouble at work, you know, and I say, I can see that, you know, you're really upset about these things. And, you know, we've talked before, you know, I believe in God and everything. Would you care? Yeah. Would it bother you if, if you and I just pray about this real quick? Would, yeah. would you let me pray with you about this? And so we do. And there's some really interesting stats about even people who have no other religious connection, they believe prayer is a powerful thing, even if they just believe it's kind of a meditative, throwing it out into the ether, but that is a great open door to kind of start the more spiritual side of the conversation. Yeah, it someone. really is, and it's it's actually, for many people, a very emotional experience. Hmm. Um, if you've ever had someone sincerely and intensely pray for you personally about oh, something, yeah. yeah, so you pray... You really open up your heart and pray with them and for them about this thing, you know, and say, you know, I'll be thinking about you and praying about this with you. And you leave that conversation. Yeah. They leave that conversation feeling like, wow, you know, this person's not just being Mr. Religious around me. I've seen them enough to know that they really are this way and they're really caring about me and praying and so the next time they have a question or a problem, mm-hmm. you're the one they're going to ask. Yeah, that's that's definitely, it's not a false setup to get to that point. No, you're being sincere with them. Yeah. 
but they're going to say, you know, I've struggled with this. And then now you have a door open mm-hmm. where you can begin to use appropriately some scripture and you can tell them, look, this is, let's say they're having trouble with a, a marriage partner and, and their marriage partner is difficult and maybe you know, you go to a passage like First Peter 3, verse 1 and 2. Mm. Look that up real yeah, quick. Yeah, I think we talked a little bit about that one last time. Yeah. Uh, first and second, Peter. Yeah, First Peter 3, which verse? 1 and 2. Yeah. The likewise wives be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won over without a word by the conduct of their wives, when they see your respectful and pure conduct. So, you know... That gives you an opportunity to say, you know, conduct, whatever their name is, is really powerful. Mm. And if you could, if you have the strength to be kind and to be loving and to be consistent and to do these things, and, you know, many times conduct will break down barriers, you know. Mm. And, and, you know, if you're talking to your friend, you can say, you know, we have been around each other and what has our conduct done has it built respect between us or not mm. you know and they say yes and I say, this this can do the same thing at home for you yeah in your marriage and they begin to see that this is not just all mm. theoretical stuff that doesn't matter to life this is stuff that really can impact yeah. my quality of life right and it also brings about the you know, why do you act different? Why why does the Bible call us to do things so differently? Or, you know, the number of times I'll read something and people will say, that's not the way it's usually done. And it's like, you're right. We're, none of this says to do it the way things are usually done, so to say. Mm-hmm. And I guess the thing that, that I've had experience that helps with some people to facilitate changes, to show them that this stuff in the Bible works. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it works in life yeah um i've talked to them about for example some of the employer employee passages in mm-hmm. in uh, ephesians which are really slave master passages but yeah. the same principle is there right and i asked them questions like as an employer what would you think if your employees really did like this and you'd say that they'll say well, my goodness, that that would be unheard of. How blessed I, how wonderful it would be if I had employees like that. Mm-hmm. And I say, see, that's what that's what Christian life does. Yeah, for the workplace. Yeah, and I'm, if you had an employer that was going to treat you like this, yeah, what would that do for your work environment? Yeah, those are the things that sometimes you'll hear someone go, "I would do anything for my boss," and it's rarely because they pay me so much right. or because you know they've given me this benefit it's usually something along the lines of i was in a tough situation in my life and i got a call from my boss that said hey don't worry about it or hey we're going to cover this expense that they went above and beyond and you're just going wait a minute they didn't have to do that yeah you know it's that the conduct of people's life can really impact someone yeah and see we're getting down now to how we by our actions toward people when we're living out Jesus really in the interactions with people, we are facilitating change because they're seeing Christ in mm. us 
and as we have opportunity, we're also sharing Christ. So, yeah, because it's not that we're avoiding, like it's we're not saying so avoid doing a Bible study with someone. No, but we're saying that as important as the study is, the life of the person who's desiring to do studying, so to say, yeah, really matters. Yeah, and and once we've gotten to the point we're talking about now, mm-hmm. then what I would do is I would suggest like. To somebody to begin reading something, usually like the Gospel of Luke, and we're going to work into Acts or something. Yeah. But then, you know, based on some things that they now read in the Gospel of Luke, they'll they'll relate to some things we've been talking about in their own life, and they'll yeah. say, "Wow, you know, I can see how this can impact somebody." But up to that point, they may not have been ready. Yeah to really read and really listen to what's in the Gospel of Luke. And now they are, and now they're starting to ask questions about it. And that's one of the reasons maybe this is a place for this in this discussion. Mm. Many, many people who have a Bible study with somebody, they're so eager to take them down this path and teach them, which is good, but they don't allow the person to ask questions Mm. or they don't encourage them to ask questions yeah so as they begin to think about this you know what what do you want to ask about as you've read this well i don't understand when i read this why yeah and then you have a discussion and you and then is there anything else you want to ask and they ask and then you take them a little bit further and every step of the way yeah they ask whatever they need to ask it's like, let's say we're reading something and I can see, like, if you watch people long enough, you can tell when they really, you know, there's that tick of the head, you know, sometimes it's like, I, I'm not wait, sure wait about a minute. this. Yeah. So that's one of those opportunities where instead of going, oh, but the, the section still has three more verses, you can go, hang on, there was something there. What what kind of caught you there? And then you, I think we you're right, we get in that rote format that we have to fulfill instead of dealing with people <laughs> see this this goes back to where is the person mm. where is that person's thought process what are they stuck on mm-hmm. what do they need yeah in order to get unstuck so here's here's a question um let's say especially when you have someone who is closer to you and you're trying to do live this good life or whatever what do you do if you figure out you're not the right person to facilitate change in their life? Like, especially a parent-child relationship or a really close, you know, friend or relative. At some point, if we're really desiring change and we're working through, we'll probably realize we're not going to get through to them. What do we do in that situation? I guess the only thing I can think of there would be to try to point other people toward that person Mm. who might have a similar life experience to that person. Okay. Who also have, you know, deep Christian commitment and get that other other person to, uh, you know, work on a relationship. And a lot of times the other person will be able to without all the emotional baggage of whatever your personal relationship is, mm. they'll be able to get that person to think about some things that maybe they wouldn't be willing to think about with you. Hmm. Is it a, it's bad. Um, is it like a setting them up 
on a blind date sort of idea like hey we're gonna have a we're gonna have lunch and i'm bringing this friend with me is that is that effective or does that stray well, back into what we were talking about earlier of being disingenuous with no something? we're not being disingenuous because we really love a person we really see the deep basic spiritual need of the person usually what will happen in my experience is i have a friend of some kind somewhere mm -hmm. that has a similar life experience to this person. Yeah. And I talk to that friend sincerely and say, you know, you could really be a blessing to this person. Mm. What do you think about? And it may work, it may not work, but sometimes it works when people have things in common that they can, they can relate to one another and another person can influence them. But, Back to where we were, even the person that feels that they're at a standstill, if they will be kind, if they will be loving, if they'll be consistent, if they will continue praying, if they will, even through all the pain and the everything else, they will continue to be that Christian example in mm -hmm. a, in a, in not a not an antagonistic way. Right. Then then eventually it's highly possible that that person will be influenced by that. Yeah. Like the husband and wife, the wife with her conduct. Yeah, because I think this fits with the tail end of, of the last conversation we had, where instead of just the almost empty prayer of God change their heart, it's God, can you change my heart to be more effective, to be more closely drawn to, to your word, help me to be a better example. Lord, draw people into their life who can show them what you are. See, in this now world. we're now we're putting some skin on what I was not saying very well, but trying to last time. Yeah. In that con in that which like what we talk about, we can never cover everything in any sure. one conversation. Sure. But because just praying for God to change them, but what you're praying really might have mm. that effect, and it's putting our skin in the game. Right. It's, it's not a, well, I've already made it. You need to fix them, God. It's, I know that I have things to work on, and maybe by me working through this, that yes. can be more effective in your hands. And see, as we talked about last time, I can't control them. Right. But, but I can. I can allow God to control me. Mm -hmm. And by doing that, I will be a better example to them, and yeah. God might work in their life through that, and I can be at peace with that. But, you know, to to kind of pull all this together, and you may have some other place you want us to go before we quit, but how to facilitate change. We're, we're going to have, we're going to build genuine, caring relationships with people. Mm -hmm. We're going to give them things that are real that they begin to admire and respect. Yeah. We're going to be there in the problem points of their life to to pray with them we're going to introduce spiritual things that matter at those points mm -hmm. when we do have opportunity to study we're going to be patient and and we're going to find out where those people are and we're going to take them patiently through god's word yeah and all their questions are okay and we're going to we're going to, I keep saying patient, because we have to do this on God's time as people are ready to change. Yeah. 
But I think that that's the nice thing is there is great hope in knowing that people can, and there's also a much healthier hope, spiritually healthy, like what we keep talking about, when we understand the role that we can play, not the roles that sometimes we want to play that God says that's never going to happen. Yeah, and you you know me well enough to know that bottom line until a person has the seed of the word of God planted in their heart, they're not going to spiritually change like we mm. think so. And that's always our goal. And that's not manipulative. That's not mean because that's their highest benefit. Yeah. But we have to be patient in preparing the soil, you might say, and mm -hmm. developing genuine respect between us and being honest with people and yeah. answering their questions. If we don't have answers, say, you know, the Bible doesn't answer that question. I'm sorry, but yeah. in that process, people can be led. They can be, we can lead them to let God in their life and we can facilitate change. But what we're doing, and if we look at our last conversation, is we're helping them to come to a point where they see the value in this mm -hmm. and they want this in their life and they because of this process, make space for it in their life, and then God changes their life. Yeah, and this happens in people who have never come to Christ. This happens in people who have been in Christ and fallen away or struggling, and that's where, kind of when you asked if there was anything else, I really think about the tail end of Galatians, where it kind of reorients this relationship and the role that we can play in people's lives. Um, I'll just read the first five verses there in that last chapter and then let you close us out. So he says, brothers, if anyone is caught in a transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself, but let each one test his own work and then his reason to boast in himself alone and not in his neighbor for each will have to bear his own load. That's really good. Really good. And because see, what, what he says there in, in Galatians 6, in the first few verses, is you who are spiritual. So if we're talking about facilitating spiritual change, we ourselves have to be allowing the process of change mm -hmm. in our own lives and realize our own weaknesses and people have to see that we ourselves are trying to allow that process in our lives that's what earns our respect with them yeah and that's what enables us with love and gentleness to lead them to change but unless there's genuine spiritual change going on in my life mm -hmm. i cannot facilitate that in somebody else's life yeah and i can't make it happen Never. i can bear it with them i can walk with them i can help them out all i can but eventually it's going to be their choice like what we talked about last week to make room for jesus you know that's right but i'm glad you've you've made me take another look and say okay but rather than leaving people feeling helpless what can we possibly do to facilitate change that's a great question 
And um, I hope this discussion has at least facilitated <laughs> some thoughts in your mind about what maybe you can do for people that you want so desperately to change. Yeah, because whether it's people you know or people that you will meet soon or have recently met, there's a lot of opportunities for us. The Christian life isn't sit back and just pray that God makes everything happen. I mean, yeah. he sent us out to seek and save. Right. You know, so... Right. Don't ever give up, but... Yeah. Yeah. But let's find the, the ways that Christ calls us to do it, not the ways that maybe pop Christianity or, you know, commonplace phraseology has led us to believe it happens. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes that can lead to false security or uh, stagnation in our own spiritual growth. So, yeah, hopefully this has helped. Thanks for your time, Dan, as always. Good, good talk. Yeah. Y'all have a good week. We'll see you next time. Bye. Thanks again for listening to these weekly conversations between myself and Dr. Dan Owen. Conversations with Dan is an outreach and teaching ministry of the Broadway Church of Christ in Paducah, Kentucky. You can find us online through most of the major social media sites or through our website, broadwaycoc.com.